Hey everyone, welcome to Coffee Time at the Water's Edge. This week, we're going to be talking about men's ministry. So let's go ahead and pour that coffee and dig into the conversation. All right, guys, welcome back to Coffee Time at the Water's Edge. Steve, we have a good coffee for us this week. What do we have? Yeah, this is from a couple of members at the church for us to spotlight. Bo and Emily Anderson gave us this. This is called Seven Weeks Coffee. Uh, it's appropriate just because yesterday in our gathering, a week ago, according to the when this airs, Still January, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. January Sanctity of Life Month. Yeah. And right. so this is called Seven Weeks Coffee. Um, it plays on the, the term seven weeks because it is at seven weeks that a baby is typically the size of a coffee bean and a baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. And the baby's heartbeat is clearly detectable. Yeah. So seven weeks coffee is pro-coffee, pro-life. Seven weeks coffee is a value-based business. They provide single-origin direct trade specialty coffee with a mission. 10% of every sale goes to different pregnancy centers across the country. So we had the CPC here this past weekend, mm-hmm. acknowledging that, doing, that was good. doing some partnership with them. Yeah. And a packed house, So what a great way. way. Uh, seven weeks coffee. Very good. That's awesome. So let's coming. give it a try. Yeah. All right. Cheers, mate. It's that right. dark roast. Yeah. It is I a love dark it. Roast. It is pretty good. It. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, that's good. I like and it. I'm it's not, not as good. bitter as a normal dark roast. I don't yeah, think I, it's, I love it's a good. light roast or medium guy, but, but I like and the interestingly roast. enough, normally we do not normally drink ground coffee. That's true. And this came as ground and it's still really good. Mm. I'm actually pretty impressed. Get it? Yep. Oh, and by the way, if you go to their website. Uh, they do also sell whole bean coffee and our favorite Ethiopian. So we may have to order some more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Especially oh. after tasting this. I, I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's so, good. Like it a lot. Mm-hmm. so I think I may have to go back to their website and order some more coffee. Yeah. So today I'll jump right in. That's into right. It. Today we're going to talk about men's ministry. And part of that is because we got uh, some stuff kicking off. And um, I mean, we've had men's ministry going on for a while, but I feel like there is a um, sort of another level sort of renewed concentration and focus on that um so this week we have a, our typical men's gathering we do that a couple times a month on wednesdays but we have an event just a just a typical men's breakfast a lot of church will do that on a saturday morning uh bacon and eggs sausage biscuits gravy all the all yeah. of the stuff that men like to eat. <laughs> that's this the, time we're bringing the the gas griddles though, yeah because, yeah <laughs> um but we we have a guest speaker um, who's going to be speaking about a topic that I think is just so critical to to just address among men um, professing Christians, um, and it is the topic of pornography. Uh, this gentleman in particular was a pastor uh, who nearly made shipwreck of his faith. He uh, ended up losing his ministry as a result of his pornography addiction, and some some other things occurred. He's going to share his story with us, but. Man, I just thought, what a what a good life lesson uh, mm-hmm. for for men to learn that 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 this isn't just done in secret. This isn't just something done in isolation. 
that this is a very important topic that men should address. And I think for for many people or maybe even church cultures, it's kind of hard for the, for men to walk in the light with regard to this. Um, out of shame, out of just the culture itself doesn't lend itself to this kind of transparency, which would be really unfortunate, right? Because okay. mm-hmm. we're to yeah. walk in the light together to give good help and service and find freedom in Christ and all of this. And so, yeah, and it's going to kick off a, a book we're going to read by Garrett Kell. Um, many, many of you may be familiar with Pastor Garrett Kell. He's in the D.C. area, Delray Baptist. Got an incredible story around his own sexual sin and how the Lord has redeemed his life and ministry through walking in the light, through facing that, and walking through some very dark times and very humiliating circumstances. Uh, the book is called Pure in Heart. That comes from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So it's not just like about pornography addiction, but the but the book itself is about pursuing purity and being pure in heart, how that right gives us this grander vision. We can more clearly see the Lord and the things of the Lord when we're walking in purity in him. And so I'm excited uh, for the for the ministry to to walk down this road with some men in the church. And we use that as a segue to talk about the importance of men in general in the church, which is something that you were wanting to talk right. about. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that we we realize is the general church has never been really good at um, at reaching men. And when I say the general church, I mean overall. I think, um, especially in our more modern day context. Um, I think the that that we have this tendency to sometimes speak in levels or in forms that don't really reach men that well, if that makes sense. So, but um, first, though, I would like to really look at why are men's ministries important? Why is it important to reach men mm-hmm. in the church? Yeah, well, I know there's statistics about um if you can reach the the husband right uh, there's a far greater i don't know the, the actual statistics but if you can reach the 90s. if you can reach the husband the the whole family is almost always going to come yeah it's it's an old statistic but it's 93% because 93 like, yeah, yeah. it's been used for a long time mm-hmm. but it, I, I imagine it still bears out yeah because the you know the husband we talk about it this way like sets the it's like a thermometer he really mm-hmm. sets the temperature for the spiritual right. you know, nature of the home in a lot of ways. Um, and when men are passive in that and it's the mom assumes that responsibility, mm-hmm. that role of being the thermometer, then there's far less greater opportunity for the whole family to be engaged in the ministry of the church and, and follow the Lord, most importantly. Right. Yeah. And you see that in, in many homes, Un- unfortunately, you know, there it's most... Um, uh, there's far more women who are coming without their husbands than husbands coming without their wives. And so it is important for the, for the family, for the home, for the children, um, and to, to reach the men. Um, I, I just kick around. What, what, why do you guys think that is? Why do you think that men are more reluctant to, uh, get plugged in at church or it maybe even you know, become a believer? We guys think. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there is, um, I mean, there's certain cultural things within the church that seem to favor strengths of women more yeah. than men. Me and Rodney were talking about this, like, you know, when you come to church, we, we sing, we, we mm. read, mm-hmm. we encourage study. Like these are things that women tend to excel at. We talk a lot about relationships. Yeah. Um, men, you know, just kind of do relationships, but it's not something we always talk about. Yep. Uh, even, even language in the church. I was telling Ronnie about this book. I can't remember the, the name of it. Um, but it's about 15 years old. It was a bestseller at one point. And in this book, the guy's talking about how we use the term, we emphasize a personal relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, that's a, that's a good thing, right? That's not a bad thing that we emphasize that, but it's right. not language of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And because we surround so much of faith with relational language sometimes that that caters itself just simply in the language we use mm-hmm. and he looks at modern day lyrics so you look at like a hymn like a mighty fortress is our god right very bold very sort of manly language Macho. i guess you could say <laughs> not in uh, i don't know that's, what does that even mean but it, there's a marked difference between a mighty fortress is our god and I'm desperate for you. Right. I'm lost yeah. without you. You know, yeah. language like that, mm-hmm. that that many modern day church lyrics have. And so mm-hmm. um, he was just talking about the way churches speak and the sort of things that we emphasize that aren't mm-hmm. bad or wrong, right. but they tend to favor women. And I, I just thought yeah. that was an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, yeah. I think men, you know, this is a sin of men to be passive mm-hmm. that is inherited from the first man. Adam, right? When you look at the the account of the fall, Eve is deceived. And it says she takes and eats and she gave some to her husband who was with her. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, where was, what was he doing? You know? Sitting there watching, I <laughs> guess. Why, why, wasn't he, why wasn't he speaking out against this yeah, situation? Right. Absolutely. You know, and so, and, and I, I tie that because we don't know this, but like in the, in the creation narrative, the command is given to Adam to not eat the tree of the knowledge of the of good mm-hmm. and evil. There's no record of God communicating that specifically to Eve. And so the mm-hmm. the assumption is that Adam was charged with the responsibility to share that word right. with his wife. Right. And apparently he did because mm-hmm. she, she was able right. to she knew immediately what... sort of when the, when the tempter misquoted and said, did God really say this? She was like, well, he said this, but this, and then all of a sudden, you know, what, what's Adam doing? You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he's not protecting her. He, he sort of passively engages along with her. And I just, I, I say all that to say that I do think passivity is a plague in, oh, yeah. in, in amongst men. When we fail to engage in, in meaningful ways with our wives and with our children, particularly in spiritual ways, it's no wonder that we have the moral decay. Right. Because it, it, it does take a strong backbone to stand against evil. Mm-hmm. And man, I think we need more men who are willing to stand against evil. Amen. No, I, you know, when you were talking about, I mean, you're talking about Adam and Eve and men are supposed to be the heads of their household and therefore responsible for their home and the things that go on in their home. And so in, when we, when we look at Adam, he was responsible, overall responsible for what happened in that case. And I think that we have this tendency to, forget that sometimes we say, well, we're a family. We make decisions together. And we, you know, saying we have this kind of uh, passivity, as you said, to, to just kind of fluff off that, that responsibility in the home. 
Yeah. Paul held him responsible, right? Romans yeah. 5, he was like, it was through Adam mm-hmm. that death came to all yeah. men yeah. Um, through the sin of this man or the first man, this, yeah. this yeah. representative of humanity and all of his progeny, mm-hmm. you know, failed in this way and, and certainly being passive at best, yeah. sitting by idly and then engaging along with his wife. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that responsibility and the accountability that w- was Adams in Romans five, and then in Ephesians five, just the the role of the husband loving his wife sacrificially, and like Christ loved the church. Um, right. Women submitting to their husbands, and there's so husbands will be held accountable for the spiritual health of their wives, families. Yeah. I think a vision of like a healthy biblical masculinity, a healthy biblical manhood should compel men. And when churches fail to portray a a biblical masculinity, one that is strong, that is protective, that, that it does love sacrificially. Right. And, and challenge men. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause the call of God, the mission in this world is to, is to really stand against evil and to push back and to advance the kingdom of God through sharing the gospel, taking it doing to the hard places of the world, mm-hmm. or to go to all nations. So yeah. there is a, a call that I think appeals to this man, this sort of nature of man, um, to be challenged in these ways. And yet, sometimes we soften all of the expectations mm-hmm. in such a way where it's like, well, it's just perceived as weak. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, maybe that. Well, I think <clears throat> that does have something to do with it. Now, do you think that that and I know we discussed this a little bit earlier, but do you think that's a reason why so many young men today are attracted to things like Islam? Because Islam has a strong male, you know what I'm saying, kind of requirement uh, that they have to, that they have to meet. And if we're putting off this passive form of manhood in Christian, in the Christian church, I think that, that, that you're, you were right earlier in saying that that might be part of the reason why that we're seeing that. Well, there's a lot of young men. So, and this is just getting into the YouTube world a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about him, but I know there's a popular figure, Andrew Tate, who's a a professing Muslim, (laughs) but he has a large following of young men. Um, and I've heard him say that in an interview that he was attracted to the strong male masculinity of Islam. And I just thought, man, what are we doing in the church? That's not, like portraying uh, a strong manhood. And I don't mean this in the toxic way. Like people could listen to this and take this yeah. all kinds of wrong. This is not, I don't, I don't believe in it sort of a macho-ness or jet, that physical strength in and of itself is equivalent with manhood, but there is a sort of resolve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just look at men are naturally wired more aggressively. And so how do we, what does meekness look like in harnessing that aggression? The biblical qualities of being meek, of of being humble when when it's pride that leads to our destruction, and men are prone to all of these things. And mm-hmm. so, but the gospel like harnesses that in this beautiful way where we could love in in the way that Jesus loved. And Jesus had such a backbone, like yeah, like the picture of Jesus that I had before becoming a Christian was not a Jesus flipping over tables and cracking whips. It was not a Jesus who was confronting hypocrisy everywhere he turned. But when I read the Bible for the first time, that's what I saw. And I'm like, I want to be a man like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a different 
picture of what it meant to be a Christian and, and a man at that yeah. when I read the scriptures versus what my culturally perceived ideas were about what a Christian man was, which was probably more shaped by Ned Flanders on The Simpsons yes. than it was, <laughs> you know, the Bible, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and so I just perceived Christian men as, you know, passive, yeah, kind of nerdy, kind of just nice guys. But I never perceived that, like me growing up, you know, playing football and all, like finding ways, karate, like finding ways to harness, you know, this wild at heart ag aggression that I had as a man um, and, and needing like good godly, uh, not, good godly wisdom mm -hmm. to show me how to like live out how I'm, how I should as a man instead of letting the world sort of take that. I'm rambling a little bit here, but yeah. I get yeah. like kind of a little bit fired up because I just think there's so many false notions of what a Christian man mm -hmm. is and should be. Right. When you asked that just about the attractiveness to Islam, I, I thought of, and you mentioned pride, and I, I think that is probably something that is may and pride is all, all humans have issues right. with pride. We all we all need need help in that area, but men, especially we want to be able to handle things on our own to not need help, you know, and the gospel calls us to be humble, to, to, you know, submit and, and recognize our sin, know that we cannot save ourselves. And so all of, all of that, I, w I wonder if that leads to, um, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the Islamic way of like, I can do this. I'm, I'm, Here's here's my list, and I'm gonna accomplish these things for Allah, you know. But the grace of God is so much sweeter, you know. Well, there's a discipline. I mean, Islam means submission, right? And so, and I and I think when we water down Christianity to the point where we're not calling people to submit to the Lord, to die to themselves, yeah, and and really to count the cost of following Christ, then then we're creating a sort of version of Christianity that lacks that kind of, you know, discipline or strength. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it to kind of think through. We're just kind of spitballing here, but I think this is such a good topic to discuss. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a, a little bit of a theory, and, and that theory is that, and this is just kind of looking at what, what's happened here and the growth that we've had here at Water's Edge and the growth, especially with men, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> here at Water's Edge. Um, it seems to me that you lose men, the less biblical your church gets. Mm -hmm. The more we turn away from God's word and the truth of God's word, I think I've, I've always seen kind of a, 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 a leaving of men. Mm -hmm. I watched it happen at one church in, in particular where it was a church that was filled with men and the more unbiblical things got, the more men left. And I don't know. I just thought, I just found it kind of strange and it's just a theory, but I just, I just thought it was kind I of interesting. If, um, un unbiblicalness, attractiveness becomes more of a focus. And sometimes that attractiveness is more geared towards an attractional well, church. Women becomes might be more geared towards women. Possibly. Maybe. I mean, but I don't know. It was just a thought that from seeing what happened there, and seeing how this church is growing, especially with men and, well, and wonder, families. Yeah, I wonder statistically what it looks like, like in the mainline denominations. 
that are pretty liberal. Are there any mainline denominations well, that actually left? Sh- yeah, <laughs> we know they're shrinking, but I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what that, what the gender gap looks like in attendance. Because across the board, it's, it's massively it's, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. Across the board, it's not leveled out. Like there's still many more women attending church on a regular basis than men. Um, but it has closed some over the last 20 years. I tried to find some data on this, you know, just thinking through what we've discussed today, but I couldn't find anything that was like within the last decade. This was like from 2011, I think, but it was like going back to 1991 to 2011, surveying like those 20 years. And the most current statistic I saw closest to today was that there's roughly uh, an average church attendance is roughly 57% women now and 43% men. Well, it's better than it used to be. Which is not as bad as mm-hmm. I thought it was, yeah. but there's still a gap. And yeah. There's still a gender gap there. <clears throat> post, I think post-World War II, um, it was right, almost even. It was like 51, 49, 52, Well, I think there was more marriage. You know what I'm saying? There was, a, there was a, a stricter stance on marriage back then, and I think that's part of why you would see that difference between now and then is, I mean, now um, because divorce is on such a rise, I think that's part of the reason why we're not seeing maybe a lot. There were seeing a lot more single women or just one, the woman of the family being at church in, in, nowadays rather than back then. Back then it was also kind of a social thing too. Mm-hmm. You would want to be seen in church, you know I mean? And so I think there, and that could be partially, a bad thing too, because it's a nominal Christianity. But when they, when it becomes kind of like that social, well, we want to be seen there. And even if they're not living their lives outside, that was just kind of a thing that you had to do. Mm-hmm. I think also. So. Yeah. 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 I, I think, um, I, you know, when, when, People come to faith, and, and I think about just the way that we're wired. Men and women are wired differently, so maybe men having more of a um, maybe prideful, hard-headed kind of like you know what I mean, just you know push through kind of thing, and um, and not maybe as um, maybe not craving a deep relationship with other men in the same way that women might want to do that. Um, and so I think that that is something that, you know, the church needs to help men see that that is, is a a wonderful thing if, you know, for us to be able to, to have those relationships with other men and, um, inside the church. Well, I know I remember growing up and I remember a lot of my mom and dad's friends were from within the church. Um, so I think that part of the problem nowadays is we have such a, well, and I'll even say here in Hampton Roads, we have such a, a transit community and where I think a lot of people have more friendships within their work environment than they do in the church. And so when that's the case, I think men are more likely to go hang out with those people that they work with than the people that they go to church with. Um, and I just, I just think that that's part of it. You know, because being a submariner, right? Being on submarines for 20 years, they become a brotherhood in and of itself. You know, because those are guys that you go to battle with. Um, not spiritually, necessarily. So not necessarily always a good thing. 
but at the same time, yeah. So men bond through shared suffering, right? Mm. Um, that's that's true in the military, yeah. So much. It's true in sports, right? You you bond yeah. when you go through experiences true. together, and the church doesn't really create that. But when when the church does work together, and so like uh, this is just a known thing. When you get people out serving together, going on mission trips doing projects at the church, the work days, things like that. When you get people coming together and, and doing something where they have these common experiences yeah. that aren't, you know, so centered on what's happening on a stage, mm-hmm. then you do sort of create a little bit of those shared memories and a little bit of shared struggle. I'm mm-hmm. um, not, you know what I mean? But there, it is an There's important unity. factor. It There's is an important that, factor. Yeah. In so men, get hold of Mike Fuston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come do some work. Come do some work at the church with Mike. <laughs> Another another thing, and this this may not be exclusive to men, but I did see something recently that I was reading about the standards that we have in our day that come with the rise in um, just growing comforts of our day. Yeah, meaning that people do now prioritize uh, their weekends in different ways. Where if they have discretionary income, people are taking more vacations now. People are doing more things and sort of redeeming the time that they lose, quote unquote, during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so prioritizing Sunday, if it's not a priority, it, it's really yeah. on the back burner for, for people. And I just think, man, that's that's a dangerous place to be in, um, you know, in, in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a challenge that churches need to, to address in terms of, I mean, the gathering is is a high priority in God's scriptures that we would use the gathering to stir up one another to love and good works, yeah. to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching near, to equip and train the body to be a light in this dark world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> you almost had me telling on my dad a little bit. <laughs> the Sunday morning slamming the, the gas pedal to the floor to get home in time to start watching the kickoff for a football oh. game and stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Dad. Uh, yeah. Ours was slamming the pedal to get there on time, trying to get there. <laughs> <laughs> We're always running late. Yeah. All right. So have any more on this? No? No. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, it's gonna be a great. It is gonna be good. Great and just so the viewers know, it'll be the the it will have already happened <laughs> by the time mm. this ep- this episode hits. So it'll right. be the Saturday before this Monday. Yeah, I'm talking about the wet twenty seventh. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the men's breakfast. I really am. Um, I think we need to have one every month, but you guys just keep saying no. That's <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess all hearts are clear now, right? All okay. hearts are clear. All right. Well, everybody, we thank you for joining us. If you have not done so yet, make sure you like, subscribe, and click that bell so you know when we release new videos. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcast, make sure you leave us a review and five stars. We like five stars. Also, if you are listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars there. I just found that out. Isn't that awesome? So if that's all we have... Is anybody going to say, wait, I got one more thing? Nope. Okay. Because that happened last week. I'm just saying, (laughs) Kevin, stop me. Anyways. All right, everybody. We love you all and God bless. Peace out. Peace out.